Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Star Wars Battlefront. No, we won't be talking about Star Wars Battlefront. Actually, we're going to talk about the 1988 classic from Domark, Return of the Jedi. I am in full Star Wars mode this week. We've got a new Star Wars movie coming. I think if you don't know that, maybe you don't have a television or you've been dead for four years or something. Uh, We have Star Wars commercials, Star Wars trailers. Uh, I am desperately hiding my head under a rock this week to avoid Star Wars spoilers. So instead of talking about new Star Wars stuff, we are going to go back in time and talk about Star Wars Return of the Jedi for the Commodore 64. Now, a lot of people know that Star Wars was also the first Star Wars arcade game. But do you know what the second Star Wars arcade game to be released was? So we will be talking about that later on in this show. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check out the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. First of all, thank you to everyone who let me know uh, that changing the play at the line of scrimmage is called an audible in football. I knew that. I know what an audible is. I just could not think of the word while I was recording. So thank you. And congratulations to the uh, University of Oklahoma, the OU Sooners, who won the Big 12 uh, state championship. So uh, boomer sooner. Uh, I got an email from Chris Peterson who said he loved the latest episode of Sprite Castle. He thought that he was the worst player at Star Wars Battlefront (laughs) Uh, because I said that I am and I do contend uh, that I am. So anyway, we talked a little bit about uh, Star Wars Battlefront. He did say if it wasn't a Star Wars game, he probably wouldn't keep playing it. And I agree uh, with that. I I am a, a Star Wars junkie. Uh, And I love all things Star Wars, and so that is why I got Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, But I, uh, if it were anything else, and and obviously I don't play Call of Duty or any of those type of games, so obviously if it weren't Star Wars, I probably wouldn't uh, still be getting shot in the head every time uh, that I play it. I got an email from uh, Scott Sackett this week. Scott has his own podcast uh, and I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. I'm going to have a ton of links in the show notes this week. Uh, and Scott says he listens to the show. Uh, Scott and I have talked several times on, on Facebook, and actually he lives uh, right here in Oklahoma with me. Scott said he did not have a Commodore growing up, but he still enjoys the show, and his friend had an Atari computer, uh, and many of the games are the same. And that's true. A lot of these games uh, that we talk about on Sprite Castle were released for all the different 8-bit uh, different computer systems, the Atari, the Apple II, and things like that. So even if uh, you did not have a uh, Commodore growing up, you might still you know, share this show with your uh, other 8-bit computer friends. Let's get to the news headlines, and I'm going to burn through these as fast as I can because there was a ton of Commodore-related news over the past couple weeks, and I just mean Commodore 64 stuff. There's even more uh, Amiga and uh, some other, there's some uh, plus four software packs that were released. If you like uh, the Amiga and you want to stay up on Amiga news, you might want to check out the Amigos podcast. Those guys uh, are doing a great job of staying on top of what's coming out uh, with the Amiga right now. But I try to keep my news just to Commodore 64 stuff. And even so, 
Uh, there was a lot of stuff. You know what? Even before I get to the Commodore 64 news, I wanted to mention um, uh, my friend uh, Craig Cohen has started a new podcast called the Big Screen Book Club. It's a really interesting idea for a podcast. He is uh, discussing movies that were made based on books. And so on his show, he has guests on that have read the book and seen the movie. And they talk about the difference between the two. And the first one he did was covered the book, nothing lasts forever, which was made into the movie die hard. Uh, so it's a really interesting twist on podcasts. I really enjoyed listening to that first episode. So, uh, go check that out. Uh, and also, uh, if you're not aware, uh, Sprite Castle is a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can find the Throwback Network at uh, throwbacknetwork.net. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Throwback Network. Uh, we just added several new shows this month to the network. There's 80 of the 80s. There's recurrent events. Uh, and the Coco Crew have all been added. So all new uh, retro shows, plus all the great stuff that's out there. There's over 30 uh, different shows out there on the Throwback Network now, and they're all retro-related. About half of them are retro computer and retro gaming-related, and the other ones uh, are just about retro topics. So check out those new shows and, and uh, go check out either the website or the Facebook page. Now let's get on to some Commodore 64 news. Uh, first off is the uh, Commodore 64 Retro Calendar, which has been put out by RetroInvaders.com. It is a Commodore 64-themed calendar that is free for download. You download it in PDF format. It's available in lots of different languages. I saw English, Spanish, German. Uh, so, And I think uh, they're even being translated into other languages. So if you're looking for a calendar, I know that's a popular uh, Christmas gift. A lot of people get, uh, calendars. I think a lot of people just do online calendars, but, uh, I, I plan on, uh, I've already downloaded it and I plan on printing mine out on glossy paper and, uh, hanging it up in my office cubicle. So when people walk by, they know that I'm still representing the Commodore 64 years later. So that's available over at retroinvaders.com. Uh, there was a, a hack, a hardware hack in the original term of, uh, the, or the original definition, I should say, of the word hack, uh, converting a Commodore SX-64 into a DX-64. Now, many of you are familiar with the SX-64, which was the uh, executive Commodore 64, the portable, or as some people call it, the luggable. Uh, it's a 20-pound <laughs> portable Commodore computer with a small color display, the first portable computer to have a color display built in. Uh, but the SX-64 only has one floppy drive, and then it has a bay that looks like it's definitely designed for a second drive, and that's what the uh, DX-64 uh, was or was intended to be. So uh, BIOS Rhythm has modified his SX-64 to become a DX-64, and he has uh, recorded everything about that process. He detailed that uh, and has uh, all the details on his blog, so I, I presume if you wanted to modify your own SX-64 to become a DX-64, you could follow his instructions and do that as well. Uh, on to uh, magazines. There are a couple new magazines that came out. Uh, Commodore Free issue 90 was released. Commodore Free is one of the uh, best free Commodore-related magazines out there. You can get it in all kinds of formats, HTML, plain text, uh, or the PDF, which is the one I like, has all the screenshots and graphics, things like that. So that's definitely um, worth checking out. 
Also, um, there's a new, I call this a new magazine. I've never seen this magazine before. And they just released episode 44 or issue 44, I should say. Uh, and it is called revenge magazine and it is R E V apostrophe in apostrophe G E. And that stands for retro emulator vision and games. And they cover more than just the Commodore 64. Um, they, they cover all kinds of eight bit, uh, old systems through emulation, things like that, but there's definitely some Commodore stuff in there. So I will be downloading that, uh, probably later this afternoon and checking that out. Uh, on to, uh, a few video things that I saw this week. First of all, um, scene world, uh, which is a uh, podcast and a website has a new section, uh, where they are d- doing video reviews of new Commodore 64 hardware and software. I just watched one yesterday where they go into, it's about a 20-minute vid- uh, video that goes into detailed conversation of the Commodore 64 Wi-Fi module. So they've got some great stuff going on over there. Again, I will add the link, but if you are wanting to find out the latest on new Commodore hardware, things like that, that uh, seems to be a place to get that information. Uh, there's also has been released a, um, I guess this is 10 hours. It is a 10 hour YouTube marathon of Sid music being played. They're broken up into one hour chunks. I work from home quite a bit and I love having eight bit music on in the background. Uh, sometimes I will just fire up an emulator and have demos running things like that just to hear the music, um, you know, something to get work done by. So this seems really cool. This is definitely something that I will have uh, playing on a playlist when I'm working from home. So if you want 10 hours of Sid music, I will uh, share the link to that. Uh, And that is just on YouTube. There are two different data set uh, programs or pieces of hardware that were released. Uh, The first is the um, DC2N, and I guess this is the fourth revision of, uh, this adapter. There's, there's different models that do different things, but the fourth iteration of this, of the DC two M, uh, is specifically designed to connect a Commodore data set to your PC through USB. And there, uh, is software, either command line, there seems to be a GUI version. I've seen it running on, uh, windows. I've seen it running on Linux and what this device does once you've connected a data set to your PC is it will dump programs from cassette straight to your computer. And then you can play those back, uh, using an emulator. So, um, again, I'll, I'll have the link to that. Uh, this one does not allow you to play back anything. It's solely designed for dumping those data sets, uh, straight to your PC for using with, uh, uh, emulator, or you could probably use them on a, a real 64. If you have something like a, uh, 1541 ultimate, something like that. Also updated is a uh, program called Wave-PRG, Wave to Program. It is a piece of software for the PC that allows you to dump data sets using a regular cassette player. Like I have a cassette deck hooked up to my PC with just regular audio cables. So with this software, you could take a data set and dump it uh, to a WAV file, which can then be converted to... Uh, you can make a copy of it, or, or again, you can play it with any of the uh, popular emulators, things like that. So there's a new version of Wave to program out there on SourceForge. Uh, and finally, 
a, a compilation pack of all the great programs. Now, this doesn't have everything that was released, but it's kind of like the highlights of all uh, the new applications and games that were released for the Commodore 64 during 2015 has been released. Uh, it's um, not that large of a pack, and you can download that, and you have all the D64 disc images to try those out. So uh, I got that off of uh, Vintage as the New Old dot com and so again i'll be adding a link to that so you can download that if you you know sometimes it's hard there's so many releases coming out right now for the 64 and have been over the past uh this whole year has been very active it's very exciting time again so you can download all those all at one shot and try them all one thing i do want to add to the spritecastle.com website and i'm going to try to get this done over the weekend is all the show notes. I want to put all these links all in one place. Of course, I'll always have uh, the links from uh, you know each particular episode in the show notes, but I want to have like a running list of all these links, links to download games and, and uh, news and hardware and stuff like that. I'll try to sort it out. So I haven't really come up with a format of how I want to do that yet, but that's something that I will be adding to the spritecastle.com website uh, in the very near future. And now let's move on to the king of the castle. This episode's king of the castle is Joseph Sharippa. Now you may recognize that last name. Joseph's brother is actually retired from the competition. He has maxed out and uh, correctly named the three. He's uh, correctly, he's been the winner. He's been the king of the castle three times. And so uh, uh, Steve Sharippa has been retired to Sprite Castle royalty. But it appears that that runs in the family because here comes Joseph, who correctly identified the song on the last episode, which was a pretty easy song. It was Popeye the Sailor Man's theme, uh, the 8-bit version. And I had discussed in the last episode in Gremlins, I discussed Popeye's Chicken. So that was the uh, connection to be made there. So that was a pretty easy one. And I did get lots of winning uh, submissions on the first day. I know I got one from uh, Jim Fullerton. I remember John Justice sent one in. Rick Reynolds, uh, who is a very active podcaster on his own. Uh, all these guys sit in, uh, uh, positive, you know, responses. So thanks to everybody who keeps listening and we will, uh, keep the King of the Castle contest going. I, I, uh, you know, in the, the episode before last, I made it a little too hard and sometimes I make it too easy. So sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. If you're the first guy that listens, uh, and identifies a song, then you get your spot on the throne. So again, congratulations to Joseph Sharippa, who is this episode's King of the Castle. If you would like to be the next episode's King of the Castle, all you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but it will relate to the episode's theme in some way. For example, Popeye the Sailor Man and Popeye's Chicken. Once you have identified the secret song, the first person to send the song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be the next King of the Castle. All those contacts are listed in the show's closing credits. And those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy who just ran into a guy's motorcycle. Does this mean no tip? Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. So there's not a lot of food. 
in the Star Wars universe. I think people think of blue milk, and I actually considered uh, making some blue milk for this episode, but that seemed like a bit of a stretch. But when I think of Return of the Jedi, I was 10 years old when Return of the Jedi came out in theaters, and I got to go opening day, and my dad took me to the movie theater, and uh, I remember... I assume I remember uh, getting a big thing of popcorn and, you know, just that whole movie experience, the exciting experience when you're a kid of going to a movie you're excited about. And so that's what I did. I made a bowl of popcorn. Um, You know, microwave popcorn is just so terrible. There's nothing like movie popcorn, you know, but uh, I did make a, a bag of microwave popcorn and uh, it's better than the hot air stuff. I don't think it's better for you. But uh, made a bag of microwave popcorn and sat down and played this game for a little while. And just tried to recreate that feeling that I had as a kid of going to the movie theater and enjoying Return of the Jedi. So that was this week's snack. And speaking of Return of the Jedi, we will get started with uh, this episode's game, which obviously is Return of the Jedi. It was released for the Commodore 64 in 1988 by Domart. It is a game for one player that uses joystick controls. This is the second episode of Sprite Castle to include a game from Domart. On episode 13, we covered Friday the 13th. Uh, Domart was formed by Dominic Wheatley and Mark Strachan in 1983. They released 54 titles for the Commodore 64, some of them on the list here. Uh, 007, License to Kill, Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters, Hard Driving, Pit Fighter, Rampart, Stun Runner, uh, Tubin, Zybot. So a lot of these are Atari arcade classics that Domark had ported over to the Commodore 64. The credits on this game, uh, it was programmed by Colin Pimlot. Uh, according to his uh, online resume, he worked on Every Second Counts, The Crichton Factor. He worked on several TV games, educational quiz programs. Graphics were done by David Howcroft. Uh, he also worked on Krypton Factor. He worked on Vindicators and Dragon Spirit. And then we have music by Dave Kelly. He, again, also worked on TV games. He worked on Dragon Spirit, Little Puff and Dragonland, and Vindicators. Um, one thing that I would like to say, as I pat myself on the back, is that these credits were listed on the in-game graphics, but were not on Moby Games. I use Moby Games on almost every episode to get information of who worked on these games and things like that. Uh, But these were not listed on Moby Games, so I got the screenshots and I submitted those back in. So uh, as much as I use Moby Games and get information uh, from that site, I was really glad to be able to add something back uh, to that site. Uh, So anyway, Return of the Jedi. The pop culture context at the time, the movie again was released in 1983. The arcade game was released in 1984. Return of the Jedi was the second Star Wars arcade game released. It was released before The Empire Strikes Back, which is a little strange. Uh, This game was released, depending on who you believe, in 1987 or 1988. So it came out either three or four years uh, after 
the arcade version was released, and that would be four or five years after the movie. So a little bit of a stretch there. Uh, the reason why I say depending on who you believe is the title uh, credits on the game, uh, the copyright in-game information says 1987, but all the websites, uh, that includes uh, Lemon64, Moby Games, everywhere else that I could find information about this game, says it was released in 88. So I'm not sure if this was developed late in 87 and then hit the stores in early 88. I'm just not sure, but there does seem to be a little bit of discrepancy on when this game was released. Uh, for the box and manual, the front cover of the box is an airbrush painting. It is signed by Stein. I'm not completely sure who that is. I looked for airbrush paintings on Stein. Maybe somebody else can find out uh, who that is. The back has some screenshots and describes each level that you will be going through as you play. Uh, and the instructions cover all versions of the game. So it's one of those instruction manuals where the, the uh, front page has loading instructions for every different type of computer, and then the um, game instructions are the same no matter what version you're playing. Once you launch the game, you come up to a title screen, which as a kid I thought was the coolest picture ever, but now that I have seen the box, I realize that it is a computerized version of that painting that is on the front of the box. Uh, in the foreground, you have Luke Skywalker, and he's holding his green lightsaber. As everybody knows, it's green by the time we get to Return of the Jedi. Uh, there are two biker scouts. There's an ATST, the Millennium Falcon, uh, and three TIE fighters flying towards you. So it's definitely kind of a 3D design. There are laser blasts everywhere. Uh, in the background, we have the Death Star, and then we can see the planet of Endor. So it's a very cool picture. Um, on the title screen, it does say copyright 1987, Lucasfilm, uh, Tengen, Domart, Return of the Jedi. Uh, where it says Return of the Jedi is down at the bottom. It's the very bottom of the picture, and it's not very tall text. I was surprised that uh, the title wasn't displayed more prominently, although uh, the fact that you have this giant picture of Luke Skywalker and the Death Star people pretty much know uh, that they are launching a Star Wars game. We have a bouncy version of the Imperial March song. It's kind of a little uh, upbeat. And I'll play a little bit of that at some point during the show. And then we also have the Ewok uh, Yumnub song. Now, as if you grew up a Star Wars fan as I did, you know this is the Ewok celebration song that plays at the end of The Return of the Jedi, which has been removed uh, in the late 90s with the Star Wars special editions that came out. Uh, and this song is definitely a fan classic. It was a classic for kids. Everybody enjoyed this song. I think it's a terrible tragedy that they, and tragedy is a strong word, okay? But I think it's terrible that they removed this music and song from Return of the Jedi. Uh, for a lot of people, that is the song that we remember with uh, the closure of the entire trilogy. So uh, it's gone from the special editions, but it's back right here in 8-bit glory. We uh, past the title screen, we have a high score screen that comes up. It shows the all-time Jedi Knights, and there are scores. The top score is 1 million, and the bottom score is 10,000, and there are uh, scores ranging between those two scores listed. Once you start the game, you get to select your level. This part is just like the arcade. Actually, the whole game is, is uh, the same as the arcade. You can choose easy, medium, or hard. 
there is a graphic of the Death Star that you control with the joystick that you put over which level that you wish to start. You have 20 seconds to make that decision. Uh, if you haven't pressed the fire button by then, the game automatically starts and starts on whatever level that the Death Star is over at that time. Let's talk about the game's controls. First of all, this game is presented in a isometric point of view. As a lot of people say, it looks like Zaxxon. It is that um, uh, diagonal point of view that uh, was introduced, I guess, by Zaxxon and uh, uh, is now known as isometric. Now, the joystick controls, you move up, down, left, and right. Uh, so you don't have to constantly press diagonal, and that um, uh, makes it a lot easier to control. So whatever ship you happen to be controlling during the game, if you press left and right on the screen, you kind of move diagonally left and diagonally right. Uh, but on the joystick, again, you just use left, right, up, and down. You don't have to press diagonal. Uh Forward and backward, move your ship forward and backward. Um, you don't really speed up or slow down, per se. You just kind of move forward and backward in that 3D space that is presented on the screen. Um, fire button usually fires. I believe that fires on every level that I can think of. I don't know. Yeah, you can shoot. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm just running through all the levels here mentally, so uh, the fire button shoots. Uh, and so on this game, there are multiple different levels. The first level that you start off is the speeder bike chase. Now in the arcade version, it's very obvious that you are princess Leia and flying the speeder bike. In fact, um, in the 16 bit versions of this game, uh, there's some digitized voices. The Commodore 64 does not contain the uh, digitized voice samples. Um, so in the arcade game, it's very clear that you're a Leia. Uh, in this version, it, you're, look like, I guess you kind of look like Leia, but you're dressed in all yellow. So it's like you're wearing a yellow rain poncho, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so in the first level, you're being attacked uh, and chased by speeder bikes that are being ridden by biker scouts, which by the way, is my personal favorite character from uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I have a little shelf dedicated just to biker scouts of all different sizes here in my uh, Star Wars room. Now, as the bikers attack you, you can deal with them a few different ways. You can ram them off the screen, like to the left and the right. You don't uh, explode if you hit, if your uh, speeder bike hits another speeder bike. So you can ram them off the screen. You can sometimes bounce them into an obstacle, like an oncoming tree. You can smash them into a tree. If you get behind them, you can shoot them, and you can also snag them in one of the many Ewok traps that you will encounter along the way. Um, Ewoks have set up logs that will smash, uh, and if you fly between them, you trip the, the trap, and then whoever's chasing you will get smashed by the logs. There are also trip wires. Now, if you go on these, you have to speed up because if you go at a normal pace, the trap will set off and you will get smashed or killed. So you have to speed up when you go through them and then it will uh, attack the person that's, that's chasing you. There's also a hollow log that you can fly through uh, to uh, evade your captors. Um, the goal is to get to the end, which is a Ewok village. There are four Ewoks plus R2-D2 and C-3PO waiting for you there. And they do a little, uh, there's a little victory song that plays and then you move to the second level. The second level is the Millennium Falcon, and you're flying through the middle of the Death Star, 
recreating the scene in Return of the Jedi where you must blow up the reactor in the middle of the Death Star. Uh, so you are Lando Calrissian in this scene, although you never see Lando. Um, you have to fly in between these red pipes, these vertical red pipes. Um, and it, it's difficult because the th- the way that the screen is drawn in this 3D Zaxxon uh, view and the fact that the, the graphics, the sprites are so large, there's not a lot of room to see what's coming. I mean, you can only see like two or three gates at a time on the screen. So you have to be really quick and you have to be really accurate, which is difficult to do if you've ever played Zaxxon and those levels where you have to judge how high you are or fly through a small hole. It's very similar to that. Um, also the Falcon is pretty touchy control wise. So it's easy to, to, uh, oversteer. You're being chased by a couple of TIE fighters. And again, if they are behind you for too long, they will shoot and blow you up. So you have to uh, ram them or lose them by going in between the pipes. Uh, and then once you get to the end of the level, the death star is destroyed. Now in the other 16 bit and arcade versions, you must fly back out through those gates uh, and beat the explosion just like in the movie. But in the Commodore version, that doesn't happen. You just fly off and the death star explodes. So now you get to level two and level two adds a couple of new uh, levels that you have to go through. And the first one is the um, ATST Walker level. So that is in the movie when you, uh, when Chewbacca takes over the ATST, uh, the two legged Walker, sometimes called the chicken Walker. Uh, and you must, uh, walk through, uh, again, indoor, you have to avoid piles of logs and logs that are rolling towards you, which you can shoot. There are Ewok traps that are trying to attack you Darn those Ewoks. <laughs> Don't they know we're the good guys? And then occasionally you will run into other ATSTs and you must shoot them as well. Now, what makes this difficult is that all the versions or all the levels I mentioned so far, the speeder bike level and uh, flying into the Death Star, you're flying diagonally up and towards the right. On this level, you're moving up and towards the left. So the screen perspective changes and you have to readjust. Um, and there's also a level uh, now where you must fly towards the Death Star. Uh, you have two X-Wings. You're the Millennium Falcon again. You have two X-Wings that are flanking you, and you have to fight oncoming TIE Fighters. This very much reminds me of the level of Zaxxon in between the, the bases where uh, you have the oncoming ships that are trying to attack you. Now, what this game does is flips back and forth between these levels in real time. So as you are... Uh, you know, flying towards the Death Star and you're in the Millennium Falcon and you're shooting uh, TIE fighters. And then all of a sudden, like immediately, it flips to the ATST level. And now all of a sudden you're in the ATST and you're shooting and shooting. Watch out for the logs. And then you move left, you move right. And now you're back in the Millennium Falcon. And so the game, it's like it's presented like the movie in which they jump back and forth between different scenes. But in this arcade game, you swap back and forth between levels instantly. There's no cut scene. There's no break. It's just one second you're playing one level. And then the next second you're playing a different level. So, uh, it's very, you have to be able to react very quickly to jump in between the levels. And so, uh, as you, so the first level of the game is the speeder bike followed by the death star destruction. Every level past that you go through the speeder bike followed by 
alternating between the ATST and the TIE fighter attack and then the Death Star. And so as you go through the levels, that is the order that you will face those. Um, I, there's nothing in the manual about the score, so I'm not exactly sure how the score works other than as you shoot things, obviously you get points, but I just don't know how many points you get uh, for everything that you blow up. There is no high score for this game listed on RetroComputerScene.com, which I said I was going to look up high scores on. So if you want to be the first, go set a high score for this game and um, uh, go set it on uh, RetroComputerScene.com. Under trivia, I found that this game was released twice. It was released, uh, as I said before, in either 1977 or, uh, sorry, uh, 87 or 88. Uh, But it was released a second time as part of a Star Wars trilogy collection. In 1989, they re-released Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi all in one package. So that is something I don't have on my shelf of Star Wars games. So I may need to track that down. Reviews of this game at the time, Ace Magazine, Advanced Computer Entertainment Magazine, gave it, uh, let's see here. Oh, they gave it a 85, which is pretty high. Uh, Commodore Force uh, reviewed it twice in 1993. They gave it a 66% the first time and a 51% the second time. Commodore User gave this game a 58%. Games Machine listed it at 73%. And finally, Zap released uh, three different reviews of this game in 89, 91, and 92. Uh, And it went from 61% in their first review all the way down to 49% in the last one. I don't really know why this game is rated so low. Um, I don't think it's that much different than other games of that time. I mean, of arcade-style shooting type game. So maybe people wanted more from the game because it's a a star Wars license. I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't think it's a bad game. Uh, you know, and in fact, it's a pretty faithful port, all things considered of the arcade version. Uh, so the arcade version came first. It was ported obviously to the Commodore 64, but other than that, it also appeared on the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, and the BBC Micro. Uh, Again, the 16-bit versions are better than the uh, 8-bit versions. There are more digitized sound samples. uh, So there's a lot of things that uh, are a bit more like the arcade version. If you want to play this game today uh, and you don't want to fire up an emulator... This game was hidden as a uh, unlockable game in uh, Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike for the GameCube. So, although, you know, when this trivia was announced, a lot of people had GameCube. So you may, it may be easier for you to get an emulator set up than it would be to drag down a GameCube at this point. Let's get into my personal memories of this game. All right, definitely remember playing this game on the Commodore 64. Um, I don't remember playing it a lot, so it must not have been a game that really wowed me. Uh, the Atari arcade game was really cool. You had that same Star Wars yoke controls that you had with the original Star Wars game. Uh, so 
you could speed up and slow down by moving the yoke forward and back. And you had the triggers that you fired with your fingers. Uh, so, but it came out, uh, like I said, in 84. So it still would have been in, on, in the arcades, it came out in 84. So, uh, Star Wars still would have been popular, but, uh, by the time it came out on the Commodore, I think Star Wars mania was kind of over by the late eighties. You know, I mean, Return of the Jedi was, was 83 again. So, you know, there were toys released uh, for 84 and some things, a lot of the things that came out in 85 are considered to be pretty rare and collectible these days because, you know, Star Wars popularity was waning. And who knew that we were going to get this influx of Star Wars stuff, you know, 10, 15 years later. So people kind of assumed that Star Wars was over. So for this game to come out uh, in 88, I don't think a lot of people were excited about it uh, on the home systems. Uh, And definitely, you know, the Star Wars collection that came out the following year, I don't know that a lot of people had that. So I do remember playing it. uh, And, it, you know, anytime that there was an arcade port to a home system, you wanted to get that because it was, uh, you know, it saved you quarters and it saved you a trip to the arcade. Uh, When this came out, uh, I don't, I definitely didn't have a car. I couldn't just go to an arcade and, and play this, you know. So anytime there was a home port, that was definitely a game you wanted to pick up. For graphics, I'm going to give Return of the Jedi 4 out of 5 Ewoks. I think the graphics are pretty good. Uh, you can tell what's supposed to be what. The ships look like what they're supposed to look like. So I think the graphics are good. Uh, for music, again, I give it a 4 out of 5. I think the, the tunes are uh, authentic to the arcade version. Obviously, if you're a fan of Star Wars, you will recognize the tunes, and they are pretty well done. Sound effects, I'll go down one and give it 3 out of 5 Ewoks. The, the sound effects aren't great. They're not terrible. They're just there. Overall gameplay, though, I have to give Return of the Jedi 3 out of 5. Uh, it's a very difficult game to play. It's very fast. Uh, once you get to, by the time you get to the second level, if you get to the second level without cheating, uh, it, the difficulty really ramps up. So it, it's a tough game to play. Uh, and it's one that you probably won't play for years to come or possibly even days to come. So it's worth checking out, especially if you're a Star Wars fan or if you've never played the game. But it's probably not one that you will list on your list of all time favorites. Thanks again for tuning into Sprite Castle. I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing next because I am going on vacation at the end of December. So I will be taking a short hiatus from the show. We'll have new episodes coming in January. So uh, I thank you to everybody who has sent in game requests. I've added all those to the list. Those are on the spreadsheet that appears on the SpriteCastle.com website. It is a Google Doc that has all the games you guys have sent in, so I will pick something from that list, and that's what we will be playing in January. If you want to get a, uh, a head start and, and uh, or maybe play any of the games that we've already reviewed on the show, you can go to the download section 
on SpriteGastle.com. There are links to every game uh, that we have covered on the show. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle or leave me a voicemail on the Flack Podcast Hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through ThrowbackNetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to these shows at robohair.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news, articles, and game details for Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thank you very much for listening to this show. I appreciate all you guys. I'm looking forward to moving the show forward in 2016 and playing and reviewing even more games. So I hope, uh, however you celebrate the holidays, I hope you have a very enjoyable holiday season and Merry Christmas. Uh, Again, however, whatever you celebrate, I hope that uh, it's with uh, family and friends. And I hope you leave your Commodore 64 sitting on the fireplace with a game fired up for Santa to try out (laughs) if he visits your house. So uh, thank you guys all for listening to the show. Uh, Now let's get back to uh, Blasted some Ewoks, and I will see you in 2016 here on Sprite Castle.